This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome back, everyone, to 1001 Radio Days. This is your host, John Hagedorn. Here we feature mostly cop and detective shows, plus adventure, plus surprise. You never know, but it's the best from the golden age of radio. We'll guarantee that. For those of you who want non-stop crime-buster and detective shows, you can now add 1001 Radio Crime Solvers to your podcast library. That's 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. Brand new for 2023 and growing fast. Enjoy! Dangerous Assignment, transcribed starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. Yeah, danger is my assignment. I get sent to a lot of places I can't even pronounce. They all spell the same thing, though, trouble, but... When I walk into the commissioner's office, I don't realize this assignment's going to prove that sometimes the best way to stop a guy cold is to step on the gas. Morning, Commissioner. You sent for me? Steve, how'd you like to take a risk? Sure. Fine. I know just the place, a farm in Vermont. Sorry, I've already picked a spot for you. Bavaria, a private sanatorium. Oh, great. I understand the nurses are quite attractive. Oh, great. Well, my bags are packed, Commissioner. What's it all about? Two weeks ago, a Czech diplomat was arrested in Prague on a charge of treason. He made a quick confession. Sure, they usually arrange it that way. In that confession, however, he implicated an American newspaper man, a foreign correspondent named Emerson. Emerson, he said, was an American spy. Oh, oh, here we go again. The correspondent got wind of the frame-up and ducked out fast. He managed to slip across the Czech border, got as far as Regensburg in southern Germany, then ran into more trouble. What happened? He was kidnapped, picked up right off the street in broad daylight by three men, but not before he'd put up a terrific struggle. Well, that was ten days ago. And no word of him since? Until last night. A young doctor named Minder got word to us that he thinks Emerson is being held in a private sanatorium in Bavaria. I get it. That's where I'm supposed to check in with my battered nerves. Right. Dr. Minder will contact you when you arrive in Munich. Get to that sanatorium, Steve. And if you find Emerson there, get him out and bring him back. Well, that's it. You've got your assignment. Good luck. National Broadcasting Company is presenting Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy in the role of Steve Mitchell, colorful, two-fisted government agent. At all those places of the world where danger and intrigue walk hand in hand, there you will find Steve Mitchell on another Dangerous Assignment. Thursday evening on the NBC radio network is filled with great entertainment. Yes, for Western adventure and songs, there's the Roy Rogers Show from Paradise Valley. And along with Roy, you'll hear Dale Evans and the Whippoorwills. And immediately following the Roy Rogers show, listen to Father Knows Best with Robert Young in the title role. On Father Knows Best, you'll hear the amusing adventures of the Anderson family. And, of course, Thursday also brings another hilarious session of Truth or Consequences with Ralph Edwards, your favorite fun master. On many NBC stations, Thursday ushers in another session of Eddie Cantor's show business show. So for the most enjoyable Thursday evening entertainment, be sure to set your dial to the NBC radio network. Sure, I've got my assignment. Get over to Germany. Check on a tip given us by a Dr. Minder. Hope it leads me to a missing American correspondent named Emerson. 
Get to him before he's hauled back to Czechoslovakia to face a bum rap as a spy. It's late Tuesday evening when my plane lands in Munich. The voice on the PA is calling my name as I hurry across the airport waiting room. A gentleman left this envelope here, Mitchell. Oh, thanks. Hmm. May I be of further service? Yeah. How do I get to 64 Austerplatz? Austerplatz? A street on the other side of town. I would suggest a taxi. Thanks. Uh, one more thing about the man who left this note. What did he look like? He was here but a short time ago. A small man, middle-aged, rather stout. Uh, the message is not signed? Yeah, it's signed by Dr. Minder. I just wanted to check the description against the signature. Oh? It doesn't fit. I grab a cab, and on the way across town, I ask myself a few questions. I don't like the answers I get. Ten minutes later, the cabbie drops me off in front of 64 Austerplatz. I like this even less. 64 Austerplatz is a mortuary. I push open the door, go inside. I follow the long red carpet down the dimly lit corridor. At the end of it, there's a desk, and on it, a small vase of flowers, the card index file, and a buzzer. I lean on it. A few seconds later, the curtain is behind the desk part, and a long, slender gent in a frock coat steps out. He folds his claw-like hands together and glides towards me. Good evening, my nails. Hi. I mean, <laughs> good evening. I'd like to see Dr. Minder. Your name is? Mitchell. Steve Mitchell. The next room, please. I don't turn around when the door clicks softly shut behind me. I just stare at the casket at the far end of the room. The casket is empty. Surprise number one. Surprise number two follows a second later. A gun nestles in the small of my back. Do not move. The identification. Place it on the casket. Sure. There you are. Thank you. Don't mention it. <coughs> Drop the gun. Drop it. That's better. You've got a lot to learn about this business. Uh, hey, wait a minute. You fit the description I have of Dr. Minder. Yeah, yeah. Here, your identification, hey, Mitchell. Look, what's this all about? Uh, just a precautionary measure. I was afraid I might have been followed today. Well, why pick this place to meet? The man you met a moment ago, he's a very close friend of mine. A doctor with a mortician for a buddy? <laughs> I wouldn't spread that around, Minder. It doesn't inspire confidence. Yeah, I, I see what you mean, yeah. Why do you think you might have been followed, Doctor? Because of what happened two nights ago, when I saw Emerson at the sanatorium. He is listed as a Herr Langford. They have him in a small private cottage at the rear of the main building. Go on. I was looking for Dr. Anstead. He is the head of the sanatorium. I thought I might find him at the cottage, but when I arrived, I saw the man they call Langford lying on his bed. The bandages removed, his face badly marred, bruised. His face is usually covered with bandages? Yeah, yeah. I moved in closer, and then suddenly his nurse appeared from the next room. She screamed at me to get out, called one of the guards. Any repercussions over your visit? No, no, none, none. The matter seems to have been dropped. They probably figure you didn't recognize Emerson, so they let it ride. Who's his doctor? Dr. Einstein. You known him long? Since I joined the staff two years ago. He is truly a great doctor, Mitchell. That is why I failed to understand how he could be mixed up in an affair such as this. How far is it to the sanatorium? Oh, it's several hours' drive. I have my car parked in the back street. Okay, let's get going. We'll figure out something on the way, I hope. We rumble out of Munich, head south. Two hours later, we're rolling along a narrow, winding road high in the mountains. Dr. Minder finally comes up with a suggestion. Hey, Mitchell, I've been considering a possibility. I might be able to get you into the grounds by way of the back wall. Could possibly hide you in the clinic. Yeah, if I could pass myself off as a villager with a liver complaint. Uh, no, 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 no. As a tourist, perhaps, yeah. But it would be too dangerous. Too many questions would be asked. Wait a minute. They couldn't very well expect me to answer questions if I'd been knocked out cold. An accident. An accident? Why not? We stage an accident for the benefit of anyone who might be watching from the sanatorium. Yes, yes. The guards at the gate, they, they have an unobstructed view of the road leading to the main gate. What would happen then? Well, a call to the clinic, a, a gate guard and I would drive to the scene with the ambulance. Right. Now, all we need is an accident. But what kind? Uh, automobile? Look, my expense account won't stand for a car's crash. 
How about a bicycle? Uh, yes, of course. Can you get one of the villagers to cooperate with a gentle sideswipe? Yeah, yeah. Albert Herpfen, uh, he's a farmer. His place is not far from the sanatorium. He has a truck. He will be eager to help us. Yeah, you make sure he isn't too eager. I want this to look real, but not fatal. It's early in the morning when I register at the village inn. After breakfast, I saunter up to my room, check our schedule again, and look over the map of the road Minder had sketched for me. At exactly ten minutes after one, I hop aboard my bike and ride out of the village, making like a happy tourist. I pedal along the winding roadway for another ten minutes, and then I spot a landmark I'm looking for, a tree on my left, burned and blackened by a boat of lightning. I round the bend and up ahead, maybe a quarter of a mile, I spot the main gate of the sanatorium. At the same time, I spot Herpel's truck as it shoots out of the side road. Comes bearing down on me, fast. Yeah, too fast. Suddenly, I know something is wrong. Instead of swerving, he keeps coming straight for me. I dive off the bike just as the front tire hits. Hey! Steve Mitchell will continue his dangerous assignment in just a moment. This is the time of year when every motorist must revise his driving habits to conform to winter's rain, snow, and slippery highways. The National Safety Council warns that winter driving conditions present more hazards than at any other time of the year. So, as winter comes to your section of the country, change your driving habits to meet changing road conditions. Too many times when roads are wet and slippery, the posted speed limits are not the safe speed limits. Remember, the safe speed for your driving is the speed that matches road conditions. America's professional truck drivers, the men who drive for a living, are taught that now, more than ever, they must drive ahead of themselves. By watching the changing road and traffic conditions on the highway ahead, you can avoid accidents before they happen. When you see an accident threaten on the road ahead, you'll have time to keep it from happening. So remember, drive as slowly as the road conditions demand. Drive as if your life and the lives of your passengers depended upon it. They do. Now, back to Dangerous Assignment and Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. Herr Mitchell. Herr Mitchell. Who are you? I am helpful. Hey, the farmer who ran me down with a truck. Hey, what's the big idea trying Please, to... Please, I was not the one who was driving the truck. That was my hired man, Zwecker. How come? Zwecker also does some gardening up at the sanatorium. He must have overheard Dr. Minder and myself setting up the plans for this uh, accident. He stole my truck and tried to kill you, possibly hoping to get some kind of reward from them. Brother, he almost earned it, too. When I realized the truck was gone, I came here as fast as possible to warn you. I was climbing up the ravine when you came down. The hard way. Well, this is just dandy. Zweck is probably up at the sanatorium right now, spilling the whole gag to them. Oh, Herr Mitchell. <laughs> I saw him climbing down here after the accident, perhaps to make sure you were dead. I waited for him in the bushes. He's tied up at the bottom of the ravine, and I will turn him over to the police. Nice work. Hey, what's that? Uh, the bell on the ambulance. See? Up there. It's winding down the road from the sanatorium. After I took care of Zwecker, I telephoned the report of the accident as we had planned. Okay, Herpel. You've been very likewise. You can get lost now. I'll take it from here. the ambulance winding down the narrow road, its bell clanging hot and heavy. This I don't get. There's no traffic around. Why make with it? No. Pretty soon the ambulance pulls to a stop on the road above me. I see Dr. Minder scrambling down the side of the ravine. And waddling along behind him is a fat guy who bulges out of an alpine suit with short leather pants. I close my eyes and pretend to be out. Here. Here he is. Here. Doctor. Doctor, is he still alive? Yeah. Yeah, but unconscious. Hugo, bring down the stretcher, huh? The driver comes down with a stretcher. They load me aboard and lug me up to the road. They slide me into the ambulance. Minder gets in beside me, and away we go. 
cannot hear us in the front seat. Uh, we could hear anything with that bell clanging. Do you have to do that? It's knocking my head apart. I'm sorry. But it's Lazo Pomeran. La... which? Uh, Pomeran. That's the name of the bell? No, no, no. The name of the man who's ringing. Oh, the fat boy? Yeah. You see, Lazo Pomeran is a patient of the sanatorium. He's quite wealthy. He always insists on riding with the driver whenever the ambulance goes out so he can ring the bell. It's no problem. Uh, bell is a problem as far as I'm concerned. Well, I'm afraid that they have no choice, Mitchell. You see, he donated the ambulance to the sanatorium. Uh, wait, we're almost at the gates. You'd better become unconscious again, eh? We drive into the grounds with Porky, the bellboy, still hard at work. I'm taken to a small room at the rear of the main building, which overlooks the cottages scattered around the grounds. I keep my eyes closed as Dr. Minder goes through the motions of making a further examination. A nurse hovers close by. Alan Schoenberg, you seem to be studying the patient most carefully. I was just trying to remember. Uh, remember what? Well, I have seen this man before. You feel that you have? He looks familiar in a way. An American, wouldn't you say? Well, I don't know. Possibly a tourist. Uh, is uh, Dr. Einstein on the grounds? Huh? No, he went to Munich yesterday. Munich? He left shortly after you did. He said he had business in Munich. Oh, yes, I see. Well, uh, that will be all for now, Fräulein. Uh, will you please order the x-rays? Huh? At once, Doctor. Mitchell? Yeah. I almost swallowed my Adam's apple when that nurse started wondering where she'd seen me before. Where could she have seen you? Search me. Maybe around the village this morning. Or maybe she's mistaken. Well, I don't like it. You don't like it. Another thing. This Dr. Anstead you think is mixed up in the deal. Yeah, yeah. She said he had gone to Munich shortly after I did. Could be he followed you. If so, he knows who you are and why you are here. Well, we're in too deep to back out now, but we'd better work fast. All right. Oh, here's the plan. Come on. Sit up in bed. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Oh, you see the cottage under those trees near the back wall, huh? Yeah, that's where they've got Emerson? Yeah, yeah. We must wait until dinner time. Uh, two hours from now. I will signal you from outside at a proper time. Huh? Then what? The guard at the cottage leaves for dinner. The special nurse remains. I will try to keep her occupied while you slip into the cottage. If the patient is Emerson, the ambulance will be waiting by the cottage. You'll have to make a run for dinner, man. Yes, yes. What? Oh. Oh, hey, oh, splendid. I see our patient has recovered consciousness. Uh, yeah. But he is still weak and needs rest. Well, I, I trust you play pinochle, sir. There is not one decent pinochle player in the whole place. Uh, as you see, Pomeran, I must give the patient an injection, a sedative. Eh? Uh, so. Oy. And now I must ask you to leave. Well, uh, of course. Uh, well, until later, son, our first pinochle game. Uh, that was most unfortunate. I wish to make it appear that you are still unconscious. What was that? Oh, that was Pomeran's version of a yodel. He thinks it quite amusing to make that sound whenever one of the more attractive nurses passes by. He is even now very probably in pursuit of her. An alpine wolf whistle get? <laughs> Look, how am I supposed to slip over to that cottage when you slip with a mickey with a needle? No, don't worry. That injection was not a sedative. What was it? Vitamin B. Good for the nerves. Minder leaves and I settle back to wait for his signal. The minutes drag by. Finally, it starts getting dark. I stare out the window, but there's no sign of Minder. I begin to get an uneasy feeling. Something's gone wrong. Finally, I decide I can't wait any longer. I ease out the window and work my way through the shrubbery to the cottage where they've got Emerson. I take a quick look in the window. The patient's on the bed with his face bandaged, but there's no sign of a guard. This is my big chance. I go inside and over to his bed. Emerson. Emerson. He doesn't answer. I start to shake his arm, but it falls off the bed limply. I jerk the bandages off his face. It's not Emerson. It's Dr. Minder. And he's dead. <gasps> what? Dr. Minder. Dead. Look, nurse. You killed him. Shut up. I didn't kill him. Look, you're a friend of his, eh? Good, so am I. Promise me not to yell and I'll take my hand off. 
Okay, I'll make it fast. I'm Steve Mitchell, U.S. government agent. Dr. Minder was helping me get to an American newspaper correspondent named Emerson who was being held here under sedatives until his cuts and bruises healed. Then they were going to take him back across the check border to face a phony spy charge. Wait. I saw them leave. Who? His special nurse and the guard they kept here. They drove off in an ambulance just a few minutes ago. With Emerson probably in the back. Ten to one, they're heading north for the check border right now. If I could only get a car. Dr. Minder's car. What? He had offered to let me borrow it. I noticed him approaching the cottage a while back, so I came here to tell him I was leaving. You're so right. Let's go. We slip out of the cottage to Minder's car and roar away. We head north toward the border. The minutes dragged by. You think we are gaining any on them? Hey, up ahead. The ambulance. Parked beside the road. Yeah, and in that phone booth beside the inn, the nurse. She's probably calling ahead to let them know they're coming. Pull up. We stop beside a clump of trees. I tell the nurse to wait for me down the road a mile or so. She pulls away. And I walk to the ambulance. The guard is sitting in the front seat alone. The nurse is still in the phone booth. I'm almost to the door before he spots me. He reaches for a gun, but I nail him. He slumps over the wheel. I drag him out. Jump inside and take off fast. In the small frosted glass panel back of the driver's seat, I can make out a figure on the stretcher on one side. I pull to a stop around the first bend in the road. I get out and go around to the back. I open the rear door. Hello, Mitchell. What? Pomeran. <laughs> to be sure. Uh-uh. Don't try anything. Well, well, the fat boy himself. So you've been running the deal, huh? I take it that's Emerson on the stretcher. Quite right. How'd you get Dr. Anstead to help you? We knew he had relatives across the border. The threat of reprisals was very effective. I see. Well, what happens now? You will drive us to the border. And if you try anything, Emerson will be shot immediately. All right. Get back into the ambulance. I walk to the front and get in. I'm pretty sure Pomeran won't shoot Emerson. He wants him alive, but I got to figure out a plan fast. Hurry up, Mitchell. I can make out Pomeran at the frosted glass panel behind me. Then I get an idea. Suddenly I throw open the door and duck. Mitchell! It works. He thinks I'm going outside. I can hear him scramble toward the rear door. As soon as he opens it, I step on the gas. Ah! I look out the back window. Pomeran is sprawled, face down on the road, out cold. Emerson. Emerson, you okay? Oh, here. Let me get some of this tape off your mouth. There. Who are you? Steve Mitchell, government agent. You're going home. Pomeran. Ah, he's out cold. I sort of drove the ambulance out from under him. We'll leave him here in your place. And you know, it's just as well. I've got a hunch when they find out he goofed up the deal, he's going to need an ambulance. star, Brian Donlevy, will return in just a moment. One of the most important functions of a radio network is the quick dissemination of news. Here on the NBC radio network, you can depend upon expert news reporters to bring you all the important news whenever and wherever it happens. A schoolteacher in Michigan in a recent letter says it better than we can. Quote, I want to thank NBC for its complete coverage of both the national political conventions and for your accurate and timely reporting of the national election. I'm particularly grateful to read that NBC will be on hand to broadcast the inauguration of our new president in January. For when I add this broadcast to the others I already have recorded on my Webster Electric Echo Tape recorder, I'll have a complete history of the 1952 political campaign. Again, I want to thank you and praise you for your wonderful news coverage. Unquote. And we thank you, Miss Miller. Here at NBC, we strive to bring you the finest reporting of the latest news. So, remember, the NBC Radio Network is your headquarters for top news coverage. Next week, Sweden. A nursery rhyme that almost turns out to be my epitaph. And that will be Steve Mitchell's dangerous assignment next week.
included in tonight's cast were Byron Kane, Paul Fries, Tony Barrett, Jack Crucian, and Jeannie Tatum. This is John Storm speaking. Assignment starring Brian Donlevy in the role of Steve Mitchell with Herb Butterfield as the commissioner is written by Bob Reif and Adrian John Doe and is directed by Bill Carr. Be with us again next week at this same time when Brian Donlevy, starring in the role of Steve Mitchell, will embark on another transcribed dangerous assignment. <laughs> This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Hi, everyone. The holiday season is upon us, and I'll be glued to the telly for BritBox on many a night. I've already shared with you the fact that I keep up with Father Brown and Poirot at BritBox. I also check out their new stuff, like the new series Archie, which tells the story of Archie Leach, otherwise known to millions of filmgoers, as Cary Grant. This story comes from his daughter Jennifer Grant and ex-wife Diane Cannon. It's a series. The performance of Jason Isaacs, who plays Cary Grant, is top-notch. I highly recommend it. You can only find it on my favorite TV, BritBox. Sign up to BritBox today to stream Archie and other fan favorites today from any device. I have a special, limited-time offer for my U.S. and Canadian listeners. Get 50% off your first month when you sign up for a monthly plan, but only if you go to BritBox.com and use my promo code 1001STORIES at checkout. Don't wait. Get 50% off your first month. Just use promo code 1001STORIES at BritBox.com. Try it. You'll like it. Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. Yeah, danger is my assignment. I get sent to a lot of places I can't even pronounce. They all spell the same thing, though. Trouble, but... When I walk into the commissioner's office, I don't realize that this assignment's going to have me trying to trap a killer with a new kind of a weapon, a nursery rhyme. Morning, Commissioner. You sent for me? Steve, are you fond of Swedish cooking? Yeah, sure. So there's a man named Fred Gainsley. He's with a project we're participating in to evaluate Scandinavian defense potential with headquarters in Stockholm. Several times a week, Gainsley has a lunch tray sent up to his office from a nearby cafe. So? Someone in the project is apparently using that tray as a means of getting secret information to the outside. Gainsley? No. He's the one who told us about it. Quite by accident, yesterday afternoon, he discovered a message in code tucked under a napkin. Discovered it just before the tray was to be picked up. And the waiter who came to pick up the tray? He didn't show up and hasn't been seen since. Someone in the project must have tipped him off that the message had been intercepted. Steve, get over to Stockholm. Check with Gainsley. Find out who's peddling this secret information and put a stop to it. Well, that's it. You've got your assignment. Good luck. The National Broadcasting Company is presenting Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy in the role of Steve Mitchell, colorful, two-fisted government agent. At all those places of the world where danger and intrigue walk hand in hand, there you will find Steve Mitchell on another dangerous assignment. Here's a word about some of NBC's great Sunday programs. We're justifiably proud of such stellar productions as Theater Guild on the Air, the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show, and Dragnet in our Sunday schedule. Theater Guild brings you top stars of Broadway and Hollywood in the best available dramatic works. 
And this combination of top stars and great writing makes Theater Guild one of the high spots of the week. And you'll find that Phil Harris and Alice Faye team together to present one of radio's best comedy shows on Sunday night. The same night that Dragnet presents true stories of your police force in action. So, this Sunday and every Sunday, set your dial to the NBC radio network for the best radio programming. Sure, I've got my assignment. Fly over to Stockholm and find out who's copying top-secret government information from a project we're participating in. It's early Wednesday evening when my plane lands, and I hustle over to the building where the project is quartered. Several lights are burning in the east wing, and it looks like some of the office staff is putting in overtime. Inside, I flash my credentials and then follow a young clerk down the corridor. Uh, Mr. Gainsley should be in his office, sir. At least he was there a few minutes ago. Good. Uh, Here we are. Mm. Uh, Mr. Gainsley, you have a... Mr. Gainsley? Doesn't seem to be around. Hmm. Well, he was sitting over there at the typewriter when I looked in a couple of minutes ago. The French windows over there, they're open. Oh, sure, they lead out to the back garden. And Mr. Gainsley probably stepped out for a breather. Uh... Hey, what? That came from the garden. Come on. Gainsley? Gainsley, you out here? It's pretty dark. Yeah. See anything? No. Hard to... With all this shrubbery. Where does this path lead to? Back gate. Let's try it. Gainsley! There it is, up ahead. Should be locked, though. Yeah, it is. Does this wall go all the way around the garden? That's right. Okay, you take this side and I'll... What is it? Gainsley? Yes. Is he... Yeah. Look, his his coat's been ripped open. Yeah, inside pocket torn. No wallet here, here, anywhere else. That back gate the only way out of this garden? Yes, unless you climbed over the wall. Ten feet high at least. No, I think our killer sneaked around us and ducked back into Gainsley's office. Come on. Johnny, is that you? Yes, Miss Borland. Is something wrong? Uh, this is Mr. Mitchell. Miss Borland is Mr. Gainsley's secretary. How do you do, Mr. Mitchell? I I thought I heard a shot. You did, Miss Borland. I'm afraid someone's just shot your boss. Mr. Gainsley? Shot? Where is he? I was... Hold it. Won't do any good. You mean he's... horrible. Anyone come through here the last minute or so? No, no one. Why? There are other offices facing the patio, uh, the garden, Mr. Mitchell. That's Mr. Halverson's, Mr. Walker's. Okay, we'll check them in a minute. Something else I want to look at first. Come on, let's go back inside. You've been gone out of the office long, Miss Borland? Ten minutes or so. Mr. Gainsley sent me down to the file room. I see. And when you looked in, Johnny, he was alone? Right, he, he was pecking away at the typewriter. Mr. Gainsley, was it my typewriter? Yeah. Look, there's a piece of paper still in it. That's what I'm interested in. Let's see what... What is it, Mr. Mitchell? Oh, brother. Here's what Mr. Gainsley typed out. One sentence... What did he write? It reads, Mary had a little lamb. Yeah, that's it. Mary had a little lamb. It's typed at the top of the page, nice and neat, nothing else. So Mary had a little lamb. And it looks like I'm going to have a little headache trying to figure this one out. Seconds later, the other employees come pouring into the office, all of them generating a lot of excitement. I finally get them to clear out and return to their desks. I'm left alone with Miss Borland. I don't understand it, Mr. Mitchell. Why would anyone want to kill Fred, Mr. Gainsley? Well, there happens to be a very good reason. We'll skip it, though, for now. You mind answering a few questions? No, of course not. I'm particularly interested in the lunch tray delivered to this office yesterday. The lunch tray? What can I tell you about... Wait a minute, Mr. Mitchell. Does all this have anything to do with the piece of paper Mr. Gainsley found on that tray yesterday? You know about that? Of course. I was with him when he found it. He seemed puzzled. I asked him about it, and he said it was nothing. Folded the paper and put it in his wallet. His wallet? Uh Tell me, where is this tray picked up, Miss Borland? There's a table outside in the hall. I usually place the tray there when Mr. Gainsley has finished lunch. What time did you place it there yesterday, do you remember? Mm, A few minutes after one, I'd say. And what time is it usually picked up? Half an hour or so later. How did Gainsley happen to find the piece of paper? Well, he'd been working during his lunch, and sometime after I'd taken the tray into the hall, he missed his fountain pen. Thought he might have left it on the tray, huh? Yes, the two of us went out to look. Is the tray usually picked up by the same waiter? Yes, his name's Carl. He works at a cafe down the street. That's all I know. What does he look like? Oh, short, 
Very short. Heavy set. He wears rather thick glasses. Okay, Miss Borland. I guess that'll be all for now. Oh, Mr. Mitchell, come in. You, uh, Dave Walker? Right, and this is Gil Halverson. How are you, Halverson? Uh, still a bit shaken, I'm afraid, Mr. Mitchell. Gainsley was a good friend of ours. You two have the other two officers in this wing. Both of you heard the shot? I did. I was here in my office at the time. First, I thought it was a car backfiring. Then I heard people running down the hall, so I went out to investigate. Your French windows were open? No, locked. I was getting ready to go on home. Why? It's possible a killer slipped out of the garden by way of one of these offices. That uh, could have been mine. My windows were open, I'm afraid. And where were you? Downstairs, the file room. That's why I didn't hear the shot. File room, huh? You uh, see Miss Borland there? I... No, I didn't. Look, what's this all about, anyway? Why would anyone want to kill Gainsley? Yeah, and what's this business about Mary's little lamb? How do you know about that, Walker? Well, Johnny the clerk told us. What's it mean? I wouldn't know. Well, it was meant for you, wasn't it? Was it? Well, look, you're a government agent. You come here looking for Gainsley. He gets himself murdered, but before that, he leaves a message in his typewriter. And you don't know what it means? I don't. Yet, maybe you have some ideas. Well, maybe. All right, Halverson, let's have it. Well, Walk and I were talking about it before you came in. It, it has to be a message of some kind, but what? So we finally arrived at something. Oh, sure, it might sound crazy, but I, I... Come on, what is it? Well, look, there's a cafe here in town called the Golden Fleece. So what's that got to do with... Oh, yeah. Yeah, Mary had a little lamb. Its fleece was white as snow. Oh, I don't know, Halverson. It, it sounds pretty far-fetched. Well, sure it does, but still is that... that... the uh, cafe where Gainsley got his tray? No. No, the fleece is run by an American named Daniels. It's on the other side of town. Well, as I say, it sounds a little wild, but So does I... everything else about the deal. Thanks for the lead. I'll follow it up. I go back to Gainsley's office. The police are there now. I huddle with Inspector Yorson. Then I grab a cab and head out across town. Twenty minutes later, I pull up at a small cafe and bar known as the Golden Fleece. Sure, it's a wild lead, a thousand to one shot, but at this stage of the game, I can't pass up anything. No matter how silly it sounds, there's a chance I might run into something or someone, maybe a waiter named Carl. I'm sorry, Pilgrim, I don't think I can help you. As you see, I don't employ waiters, just dolls. Yes, sir, give me a good waitress anytime. You wouldn't have one named Mary by any chance. Mary? Thought you were looking for a guy named Carl. Look, do you have a waitress named Mary? Nope. Ilga, Hilda, and Sam. Sam? Samantha. We call her Sam for short. Hey, that's her over there, racking up the meatballs. Yeah. Look, uh, maybe you have a regular customer named Carl. Well, it could be. This is Sweden. Carl isn't a very unusual name. As a matter of fact, there's a regular customer of mine over there at the bar. His name's Carl. Huh? Where? End of the bar. See the little guy standing at the far end? Yeah, short and fat. He he fits the bill. Yeah, well, wait till he moves out of the way. The tall, skinny character sitting back of him, that's Carl. Oh. All right, Daniels. Just make believe like I didn't come in. I'm sorry, Pilgrim. I wasn't able to help you. You haven't, but thanks just the same. I go back outside, wait a few minutes in front of the Golden Fleece for Inspector Yorson's squad car to show, and when it doesn't, I start walking along the street toward the corner, but I don't make it. Halfway up the block, someone steps out of a doorway behind me. A cord drops around my throat, tugs back hard. My head hits the side of the building. I go out like a light. Steve Mitchell will continue his dangerous assignment in just a moment. Next time your car needs a grease job or you're having your shoes repaired or a suit or dress dry cleaned, look around the place that performs the service for you. You'll see something new, a poster carrying the words OPS ceiling prices for retail services and listing the principal services which the place performs and the OPS ceiling prices. Now, the new OPS rule requires that these official posters must also be displayed in shops that do repair work on radios, TV sets, household electrical equipment, on watches and clocks, furnaces, heaters, automobiles, and trucks. Yes, the prices you see may be the highest prices which can lawfully be charged. You may pay less, but you need pay no more. 
Get the habit of checking the new OPS price charts in service establishments where you trade. And when you shop for goods or services, shop carefully. Use restraint in your buying and spending. And save when you can all you can. Remember, cooperation can whip inflation. Now back to Dangerous Assignment and Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. Mitchell? Yeah. Mitchell? What? Oh, Inspector Yorson. What happened? I guess somebody didn't like the way I breathe and tried to put a stop to it. The cord around your neck? Yeah. You must have gotten it off just in time. Uh, Perhaps whoever it was saw my car approaching and had to run. Did you get a look at him? No, he came up behind me. Uh, what did you find out inside the cafe? The Golden Fleece? Not much. Uh, this attempt on your life seems to indicate that the cafe is somehow involved, however. Looks that way. Could be this waiter I'm looking for. Carl spotted me nosing around and tried to put me out of his way. Uh, if so, he's probably some distance from here by now. Yeah. Well, let's go back to the project headquarters and go to work on that nursery rhyme again. We might as well use Gainsley's office. All right. Mitchell? Oh, Halverson. You boys work pretty late. Yeah. Yeah, they've been piling it on lately. Just knocking off now. Walker work this late, too? No, no. I guess he cleaned up his desk earlier than usual tonight. He has left the building? Yeah. Matter of fact, he left shortly after you did. Oh? Uh, any luck at the Golden Place? Yeah. All bad. But at least it looks like a solid lead. See you in the morning. Oh, sure. Uh, so Walker left here shortly after you did. That's very interesting. Yeah. Well, here we are. Do you still have the piece of paper? Right here. Uh, Mary had a little lamb. Uh, do you suppose that Mr. Gainsley intended this as some sort of message for you, Mitchell? I doubt it, Inspector. He had no way of knowing I'd be arriving just then. The way it looks to me... He was sitting here at the typewriter, probably heard a sound outside, went to investigate. And was killed. Oh, quite possibly. But then, uh, what does it mean, this fragment of a nursery rhyme? Answer that one and we'll be halfway home. You know, it's possible Gainsley was working on that message he intercepted on his lunch tray. Yes, the, the message might have been in code. Mary had a little lamb, could be part of it. Seems to tie in with the Golden Fleece Cafe, all right. Yeah, it could be, but... But what? I don't know. There's something wrong, something that doesn't quite add up. If Gainsley was trying to decipher the message, why do it on a typewriter? Uh, Good point. Well, let's see. Gainsley was sitting here at the typewriter. He heard... Hmm. Hey, keys jammed. He heard a noise outside. Wait a minute. What is it? I just had an idea. Maybe we've been on the wrong track with Mary and her little lamb. What do you mean? Just a second. I want to put a piece of paper in. There. Now. M-A-R-Y-H-A-D. You are typing the same phrase. Oh, yeah. Now, let's take a look. I see nothing unusual. Maybe that's the point. Gainsley could have typed that line to check the typewriter. He might have been looking for some imperfection, a letter out of line or something like that. Yes. Quite possibly he wanted to compare it with the message he had intercepted. Sure. This was the logical typewriter for him to start with. It belongs to his secretary, Miss Borland. But there are no irregularities on this machine. So he drew a blank here, but how about the others in the building? Yes. Let's see. He could have been looking for something to do with the letter A. There are four of them in the sentence. Now, if we can find a typewriter like that, we may have our killer. We split up. Inspector Yorson takes one wing of the building. I take the other. I work my way from room to room, checking the typewriters. I draw a blank until I get to Walker's office. M-A-R-A-D-A-L... Yeah. Letter A. Raised slightly all four times. This could be the one. 
Mr. Mitchell. Hello, Miss Borland. I heard someone moving around in Mr. Walker's office and couldn't imagine who it could be. You're here pretty late tonight, aren't you? I forgot something in my desk and came back to get it. Mr. Mitchell, were you in my office earlier? Yeah. I found the same sentence from the nursery rhyme typed out on my desk. You were testing my typewriter the same as Mr. Gainsley was doing. You figured it out too, huh? Okay, so I was, but I'm not interested in your typewriter anymore, Miss Borland. This is the one. Mr. Walker's? Yeah. The A is raised slightly. But Mr. Walker couldn't have typed the message Mr. Gainsley intercepted. Why not? He was out of town for a week. Walker was? Yes, on business. He got back only yesterday. Oh, great. Anybody could have used his typewriter then. Yes, I suppose so. Wait a minute. Hmm? This basket of correspondence on Walker's desk. Oh. That's probably correspondence he hasn't signed yet. What's wrong with it? Nothing. That's the point. The A's in these letters aren't raised. Mr. Mitchell... That means somebody switched typewriters and put this one here in Mr. Walker's office. It sure does. Any way of checking on these machines to find out which office they were originally assigned to? Yes, all typewriters are listed by serial numbers. The list is in the stock room. Let's take a look. You think the answer is here, Mr. Mitchell? Could be. There's a copy in this file room of every confidential report sent out of this project, isn't it? Of course. Whoever switched the typewriters and stole the list couldn't possibly have removed all the reports typed on that machine. That's the point. You take one of those other file folders and start and... <laughs> well, never mind the other folder. You found it? Sure did. Take a look at this report dated three weeks ago. The letter A is raised slightly all through it. Yeah. See this signature at the bottom? Steve! Oh, hello, Halverson. When I saw you heading down here to the basement, I figured you were getting too warm, Mitchell. You're the boy who was smuggling information out on Gainsley's lunch tray. You spotted him checking Karen's typewriter and figured he was on the right track. That's why you killed him, huh? Yeah, that's right. And you dreamed up that wild goose chase about the Golden Fleece Cafe. I had to keep you thinking the nursery rhyme was some sort of code. So, what happens now? You shoot both of us? Oh, hardly. The security guard's in the building. So's your friend Inspector Yorson. You shot it too, it'd bring them running. No, no. I got a much better idea. Step back into the vault, both of you. The vault? You heard me. Okay, it's good enough. Gonna lock us in, huh? You catch on pretty quick. Look, there's no doorknob on the inside. The vault is soundproof. Also, there's no ventilation. So go ahead, yell if you want to. You use up the oxygen faster. Steve. You catch on quick, too, Karen. So long, kids. <clears throat> Oh, 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 Inspector Yorson. I'm looking for Mr. Mitchell. Uh, Mitchell? Have you seen him? Oh, why, yes. Yes, about ten minutes ago, he hurried out of the building. Oh? Yeah, he seemed very excited. Uh, said something about going back to the Golden Fleece Cafe. Well, that's, that's very interesting, Mr. Halverson. It is? Yes. If he went to the Golden Fleece, uh, who is the man who just stepped around the corner behind you? Well, hello, chump. Don't try it. Just hold still while I get that gun of yours. Halverson is our man? He sure is, Inspector. How'd you get out of there, Mitchell? An old trick, Halverson. I was holding a folded sheet of paper in my hand, remember? The report made out on your typewriter. When you closed the door, I slid the paper between the door and the jam over the latch. That kept the door from locking. That, that sheet of paper? Yeah, that sheet of paper sort of wrapped you up, didn't it? star, Brian Donlevy, will return in just a moment. Daytime programming on the NBC radio network is tops in listening pleasure. And while you're at home during the day, set your dial to this NBC station for entertainment by Bob Hope, Dave Garraway, Walter O'Keefe, Warren Hull, Bob and Ray, and Tommy Bartlett. Welcome Travelers from Chicago features Tommy Bartlett with interesting interviews. Walter O'Keefe presents comedy on Double or Nothing. And then Warren Hull is your host on the program with a heart, Strike it rich, while Bob and Ray entertain for 15 minutes of mirth and madness. Dave Garraway brightens your day with his informal patter and music you enjoy hearing, and Bob Hope now brings his comedy talents to the daytime scene. So consult your local newspaper for the time of broadcast of all these great shows, check your Hamilton watch for the time of day, and be with us every day Monday through Friday for unsurpassed daytime radio entertainment. And now, here's a special note. 
Next Monday, Bob Hope and Dave Garraway will be heard at a new time on some NBC stations. Next week, the Mediterranean. A pleasure cruise that almost turns out to be a one-way trip. And that will be Steve Mitchell's dangerous assignment next week. Included in tonight's cast were Ken Peters, Kay Stewart, Tony Barrett, Dan Riss, and Herb Bygren. This is John Storm speaking. Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell, with Herb Butterfield as the commissioner, is written by Bob Reif and Adrian John Doe, and is directed by Bill Karn. Be with us again next week at this time, when Brian Donlevy, starring in the role of Steve Mitchell, will embark on another transcribed Dangerous Assignment. Always listen for the familiar three NBC chimes. They're your invitation to fine radio entertainment. Tomorrow, hear both Judy Canova and Truth or Consequences on NBC. Thanks for joining us at 1001 Radio Days, your home for the best of Golden Age Radio, when radio was king. If you enjoyed tonight's show, Please do take a moment and send us a review. We always appreciate reviews, and they help new listeners find us. Until next time, this is your host, John Hagedorn. Stay safe, and we'll be back soon at 1001 Radio Days. And one note, don't forget to pick up 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. That's 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. This is your host, John Hagedorn, and we'll be back soon. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.